You're getting ready to go out. You want to get in the mood. There's a playlist for that. You move to the beat. You trip over the dog. You're not dancing anymore. You open the Medibank app and find a physio. We live in an on-demand world. And now your health insurance comes on demand too. Download the new Medibank app today. The last time the Indians took center stage in the fall classic. Now the 2-2. A swing and a pop-up. First base side foul ground playable. Perez, Santana, Santana makes the catch. Ball game. The Indians have won the American League pennant. And Cleveland, for the sixth time ever, you will have a World Series. G'day everybody and welcome to SEN Baseball. As you heard right there, the Cleveland Indians have made their way into the World Series. Their opponent has yet to be decided, of course, with the Dodgers and Cubs still going at it. But for all the ins and outs of what's happening on the ground, we're going to part of the SEN America team. Media relations for the Bowling Green Hot Rods, Alex Cohen. Alex, are you there, mate? That's true. Thanks for having me. And a nice Tom Hamilton clip there. That was uh, one of the better calls that we've heard during the postseason. And you could hear the jubilation in his voice as the Indians get to go to the World Series. So that was fun to hear. Good call, Frida. Yeah, we had to go to Cleveland, of course. That's where the real passion comes out. Uh, when teams like this haven't been in World Series, Cleveland since 48, I believe it was. Um, you know, so when you get these, the real passion from obviously Indians fans... Uh, you know, it really comes through in the broadcast. But, mate, how have you seen the series so far? Of course, as I mentioned on the top there, Cleveland have clinched and are moving on, beating Toronto Blue Jays four games to one. Uh, but the other series still going, LA, Chicago. Chicago leading that one three to two. But how did you see Cleveland's performance through that ALCS? Well, for the way we previewed it, it was... Can the Indians starting pitching limit the Toronto offense? Because both the teams, they have standouts offensively. Uh, and you look at the young Indians lineup, they did just enough. And I, I think we got the answer to that question. And that question was, yes, that the Indians pitching could shut down the Toronto Blue Jays offense. And it wasn't the likely candidate. It was the bullpen, but it was merit in game five that, that you have a soft-tossing pitcher, doesn't hit more than 90 miles per hour on his fastball. It's a guy who started at double-A at the beginning of the season, and he, and he throws four and, and a third scoreless innings. So the Indians just seem like that team. You know, They have the manager. They have the young players. They have the experienced players like the Mike Napoli's, like the Coco Crisp. Uh, they have the bullpen. They have the characters. They have Joe Blue in their clubhouse, you know, taking the page out of the major league book and, uh, they were just that team in the American League this year, flying under the radar for the first five months and going to the playoffs and losing one game. So uh, they were pretty dominant. Now they're going to have a little bit of rest and see if they're going to face the Los Angeles Dodgers or the Chicago Cubs. Uh, and this series is a little bit closer than I thought it would be. I thought the Cubs were going to win in five. I just thought that their offense was going to be able to hit a little bit better against the depleted pitching staff of the Los Angeles Dodgers. They've been dealt with so many injuries. They have you know, Kenta Maeda, who's really struggled in the second half, and they have a 19-year-old pitching in game four. But 
somehow, some way, the, the Dodgers really put it together for the first you know, four games of the series. And then the Cubs, they come back, they break out offensively in game five, and, uh, and now they go back to Chicago two games, game six, and then a possible game seven at Wrigley Field to, to clinch their, their National League pennant and go to the World Series. The, the one tough thing for the Cubs is they have to do it in game six against probably the best pitcher on the planet, in Clayton Kershaw. So I think the Cubs are winning in seven. I think the Dodgers will, will win on Saturday night, and it's going to go to that possible game seven. But I, I just think that the Cubs are a little bit too deep. Uh, they have four starters who could throw at any time. John Lester's been spectacular. We'll be throwing Jake Arrieta in that possible game seven. So I personally don't see the Cubs losing. Just want to talk about Game 6 for a minute, Alex. You said you think the Dodgers win Game 6, it goes to 7. I'm the other way around. I think if the Dodgers win 6, the Dodgers win 7. I think that there's something that's going to be in the mentality tomorrow at Wrigley Field about Game 6 in the NLCS. We know what happened last time there was a Game 6 in the NLCS at Wrigley. Do you think that's going to be something that the players will be able to feel through the energy in the crowd? See, I'm not sure that momentum really kicks in. There's going to be enough momentum at Wrigley Field. Let's say they do lose game six. It's against the best pitcher on the planet. I think they're even expected to lose game six. I'm not sure if the panic will set in. If it was Rich Hill beating him in game six, I think it'd be a little different. But in that possible game seven, you have the reigning NL Cy Young Award winner and Jake Arrieta at home, best team in all of baseball throughout the entire season. I'm just not sure that, that the curse kind of goes on at this point. I mean, I, I think it's pretty easy. I think in game six, there is a clear pitching advantage when it comes to the Dodgers. And I think in game seven, there would be a clear pitching advantage uh, when it comes to the Chicago Cubs. Now, granted, Arietta did struggle a little bit uh, in his last start, but he's the reigning NL Cy Young award-winning pitcher. He still has great stuff. Uh, I, I just don't see the Cubs losing this series. I think they're going to go to the World Series. And just to chip in with um, Xavier there, just alluded to what happened last time in Game 6. Of course, that was the famous Bartman game that social media seems to have heated up over the last couple of days just for this very reason. Steve Bartman, of course, famously interrupted Moises Alou out there in left field in foul territory on a play, and that was Game 6 back then. Do you do you think would I mean social media seems to be trying to find Steve Bartman? Have you noticed anything over in the states, Alex, regards to try and get Steve Bartman and throw their arms around him back in Chicago? Well, yeah, they've actually mentioned it a lot, and I think the olive branch was thrown. If the Chicago Cubs do win the World Series and the curse is lifted off the back, then I think Bartman will will make an appearance come next year when when the Cubs get their World Series rings at the first home game in Wrigley, but. Uh, they know where he is. He, he works uh, in the city of Chicago. He has not been to a Cubs game since. He kind of just flies under the radar. But I think he's just waiting for the Cubs to win that World Series. So uh, the curse of Steve Bartman is lifted, and then he can move on with his Cubs allegiance. But it's funny you mention it. I mean, that, that happened about, what was it, 13 years ago? Uh, Xavier, how old were you at that point? I would have been he was fif- two. 15 at that point. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, I mean... It's, there, wasn't a, there wasn't a whole lot of coverage of Major League Baseball back in 2003 here. I think I remember watching it on Sports Center at about 6 o'clock at night, the day it happened. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, it's incredible that it, it's been so long. I remember like it was yesterday. And, you know, the majority of the viewing public, I mean, people younger than, 
and then of Xavier, remember that play from the thirty for thirty that was made on it on ESPN, which is which is incredible to me. But um, yeah, it's yeah, a great. There's a great documentary. That. And and I do think that uh, if the Cubs make it to the World Series, uh, there will be more talk about it. And if the Cubs win the World Series, then they'll be bringing it up a lot. It came up off air this morning in the studio with Bartman. If all goes well and the Cubs win the series. A, does he sit down to do an interview with someone? And there will be a lot of money involved in him for that. I'm sure a lot of networks would pay a lot of money to speak to him. But B, if the question is put to him, oh, what were you thinking? Does he answer it? Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm just not... I think anything can happen if the Cubs win the World Series. I, I think the, the, the world could flip on its axis if the Cubs win the World Series. There might not even be a city of Chicago... Uh, after the Cubs win the World Series, people will be celebrating so much. So I think all cards are on the table when it comes to that. If they do win the World Series, that there's a float leading the parade down Wrigleyville. If Steve Bartman's on that first float. I would not be surprised. So um, I, I think really anything is applicable if the Chicago Cubs do lift the curse and uh, they win their first World Series in over 100 years. Personally, I did get sent a message during the week, and um, I believe he changed his name by Deepole, goes by Alex Cohen now. Um, <laughs> mate, I, I'll back onto the yeah, boat. Well, you know, Steve, Steve and I have, to have the same receding hairline. So, uh, <laughs> I, I think that's, that's pretty fair. Just so. wear, it, wear a cap, mate. Makes hides everything. Yeah. Um, Turtleneck will help too. But back on back on the baseball, of course. Do you feel this is uh, a question? Since the start of the season, they do have days off sporadically here and there. Major League Baseballers do, but this is going to be a week off for the Indians of not non-competitive baseball. They may play some scratch matches and take live BP and the like, but that's not in front of fifty, sixty thousand screaming people. Dodgers Cubs are still playing day after day. Do you think the week off may hurt the Indians when it actually comes to the World Series? You know, Fred, I actually think about it the other way. I look at the next one or two games of the NLCS to really determine that. Uh, If they're both high-scoring games and it goes to a Game 7 and the bullpens are used a lot, I think that actually favors the Indians because then you have guys on pitch count who are unavailable for certain periods of time, uh, and you face a more tired staff. Now, uh, if those games go quickly, or let's say the Cubs really beat up on the Dodgers, or the Do- uh, vice, I wouldn't say vice versa because then it will go to a game seven, but if the Cubs really beat up on the Dodgers and they really beat up on Kershaw uh, in game six, then I think the momentum goes to the National League team. I think that the Cubs, let's say they do beat up Kershaw, and score seven, eight runs. That's three consecutive big-time offensive outputs back-to-back-to-back uh, to back to back after a struggle for really the majority of the postseason. So if the Cubs can light off Kershaw in game six, I really think that that helps them go into the World Series, and that's where I think the Indians break in momentum could hurt them a little bit. But if it goes to seven and the bullpens are used, I'm not sure if that matters. I think the Cubs and the Dodgers – uh, would be a little depleted, and the Indians well-rested. It might not even matter. I think that favors them going to the World Series. Talking about momentum, how great a pickup has Andrew Miller been for Cleveland this year after coming across from the Yankees? Well, I mean, he was great with the Yankees. I mean, it, it, it's hard to think that the Boston Red Sox once you know, gave him up for a bag of bats. I mean, he, he's been tremendous, and he's always had the wipeout slide. I mean, he had that uh, when he was in college in North Carolina, but... 
It's just his ability to throw that in every single count and have the fastball, just the amount of swings and misses he gets is historic. It's really impressive. And uh, just being able to see how unhittable he's been in the postseason, uh, it's been a great scene to, to watch and see if that can go on continuously into the World Series. Tremendous effort by Miller. We've just got a little bit of audio of him post-series uh, post here. Let's take a listen to that. You guys worked so hard all year. You joined this team here in the second half of the season, but you were a huge part of this franchise. Going to the World Series for the sixth time in its history, what's your feeling right now? Oh, we're so excited. I think uh, we've got a long ways to go, but you know, right now we get a chance to celebrate and enjoy it. Just uh, what a special feeling. Focus is going to be on you and the job that you did, but what about how Ryan Merritt handled himself today. Oh, my gosh. You know, top to bottom, everybody was great. But, you know, what a story. You know, he went out there. And I think the other 24 guys that thought he was capable of doing that, he went out there and backed it up. And, you know, just so special to watch and fun. And, you know, what a story for him. What a memory. I, I hope he's, you know, really special and has a great career. But I don't know if anything will match this. What do you think the party's going to be like in Cleveland when you get back? I bet it's already started. And I bet it's a lot of fun. There's Andrew Miller there, MVP from the American League Championship Series, was really just lights out as soon as he got given the ball. Another one, Alex, I'd like to touch on uh, just while we're at it is I would like to see the Cubs get in versus the Indians just because I think they're the two best managers in baseball in Terry Francona with the Indians and, of course, Joe Madden with the Cubs. How much of an influence do you feel management side of things, the actual on-field management side of things, when it actually comes to the two World Series? Both of them seem very balanced. Right now, I think it's so important to have a manager that not only is calm, cool, and collected, but can keep his team loose. If you look at the teams that are in it right now, the Cleveland Indians, young. I mean, they have a young nucleus of Francisco Lindor and Jason Kipnis. And you look at the Cubs, they're one of the youngest teams in professional baseball. They need a manager who can manage those young egos, but also keep them calm under the pressure. And I think Terry Francona and Joe Madden, and really Dave Roberts for that matter, what he's done with the Dodgers this year, they're one of the best managers, if not the best managers in baseball, in doing that. So I think that their role, especially going into the World Series, it looms a lot larger. I mean, you're looking at two franchises that have two of the, the biggest championship droughts in all of professional sports. So they're going in it with that monkey on the back. Uh, there's going to be a lot of different emotions, be a lot of different pressures that these athletes haven't seen before. And both managers are going to play an integral part in, in trying to limit that pressure and just allowing their players to go out there and play baseball. So I, I do personally think that Terry Francona, who, who's really uh, had experience in working with teams that have had certain uh, curses when going into championships and alleviating those curses in the Boston Red Sox and then Joe Madden going up to Chicago doing it. It's going to be um, a really fun subplot uh, once we go into the World Series. It's a perfect segue there, Alex. We've got a little grab here from Terry Francona just post-series there against Toronto. Let's hear what he had to say post the, uh, post the series. Before we take questions, guys. Sure. Just really wanted to congratulate the Blue Jays, um, Gibby, Ross, Mark. I mean, not only did they have a phenomenal year, but they're they're phenomenal people and first-class people. And just wanted to say that because they had a heck of a year. I'd be lying, you know, if I didn't say that. Like watching Ryan Merritt 
go out and do what he did. Um, you know, the, the only person that really got in his way was me. And I thought that he had gotten us to a point where our bullpen could take over. But what he did was above and beyond his years. He threw strikes. He worked ahead. Even, you know, with an 85, 86-mile-an-hour fastball, you saw him beat their barrel a number of times. He didn't let the noise get to him. He, he was phenomenal. And I'm sure, you know, when it's all said and done, a game like this will, will go light years in his development, in his maturity. I also think our bullpen did some phenomenal things. You know, they, they answered the bell time after time after time, and they're going to have to continue to do that. But everybody chips in wherever they're asked, and they do the best they can. And to this point, it's been good enough. I'm honored that we're going to the World Series because it, to do it with, with – we always said that if we could do it with this group, it would be so special because this is as close to a family feel as you can get in a professional setting. So for that – Part of it, it is beyond feeling good, but not for not for per, only personal things are the relationships. Other than that, um, just want to talk about the players and you know, like you know what Chris and Cherney did, you know, acquiring Andrew Miller. I think those are the things I'd rather talk about. There's uh, Terry Francona after the series against Toronto, Alex. Um, you're still with us here. the the game that the game that really um, showed Francona in great light. I think was that game where Bauer started the guy who busted his little finger messing around with a drone two days yeah, before two two days before he's pitching in a you know a championship series. But that really um, showed what Terry Francona is capable of. I'm not sure how many pitches they ended up using in total, but not one of his pitches got more than five outs for the whole game. He had to yep. ju- he had to juggle with a guy coming out in the first. He really has done a phenomenal job with this Indians lineup. Well, it's a little easier to do that with the designated hitter when you, you don't have to pinch hit and, and, and account for that, making up for an out in the lineup every time you go around, but... Frank Hoda's done an incredible job this year with, as I said, a team that really flew underneath the radar for five months. I mean, nobody looked at this Indians team, and they do have a young bona fide star in Francisco Lindor, but if you look at the rest of this bunch right now, it's a bunch of players that either are very good but not great, Jason Kipnis for one, Carlos Santana another, uh, but other guys who didn't make it in their other respective teams that have latched onto this Indians team and have really made an impact. Mike Napoli, Coco Chris. Uh, this is a team that is really just 25 guys working as one. And I say that, that, that that's a big-time cliche, and I understand that. But they're not the, the star-studded team like the Los Angeles Dodgers. They don't have two MVP candidates like the Chicago Cubs. They're a team, and I think Terry Francona really encompasses that. And he did encompass that by letting all 25 players, especially the bullpen, really factor into that Toronto series. So uh, they've done an incredible job. And I think both teams in the National League have done great jobs respectively as well. And while I personally would like you know, a Cubs-Cleveland World Series for all the reasons that you brought up, a Dodgers-Cleveland World Series would be pretty great as well. I mean, these are three tremendous teams. They've all had their obstacles to get to this point, and they'll have their own obstacles once they get to the World Series. There's a long way to go and nothing set in stone yet. But 
let's say we look forward. Game one of the World Series is Cleveland versus Chicago. As a neutral baseball fan and a lover of the game, how great is this storyline for the sport of baseball? It will have the highest World Series ratings maybe ever. Uh, You have the lovable losers in the Chicago Cubs and the team that was made out of Major League with the Cleveland Indians, two struggling franchises that uh, you – it's more than likely you haven't been alive since the last time that either of these teams, especially the Cubs but maybe the Indians, have won a World Series. So you have these two teams, and I I would be willing to say that if you're not a baseball fan and you're just a sports fan in general – you have to watch the World Series. So many different subplots and players, and, and there's city pride on the line. How about the city of Cleveland that you know, was really plagued? They couldn't win a championship, and now they might have an opportunity to win two in a span of five months. So uh, the city of Cleveland uh, is really sitting on the edge of their seats. And, and then you have the Cubs. I mean, if the Cubs win the World Series, that there's no more curses really to talk about. There, there's no more St. Louis Cardinals fans and and Boston Red Sox fans ripping the Cubs. And that will make next year's baseball season a little bit more boring, but uh, it's just a great subplot to watch out for. You mentioned the lovable losers tag for the Cub, and there have been plenty of franchises, the Red Sox, the White Sox, the Rays to a, a smaller extent, who have lost that lovable losers tag once they've found some success. Yes, the Rays didn't go on to win the World Series in 2008, but making it was a huge achievement for them. If the Cubs win the World Series, they lose the lovable losers tag, do they then become an insufferable franchise? (laughs) No, they they become public enemy number one. Um, If the Chicago Cubs win the World Series, that city will, as I said, turn on a certain axis, and and I think the Chicago Cubs fans will will border on being unbearable. you know, they'll cry, they'll clap, and then they'll brag. And uh, come next baseball season, I, I think they'll be public enemy number one. Um, you know, they haven't won a World Series in over 100 years, and if they can win back-to-back World Series, um, I, I think baseball should just shut down at that point. But, no, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to be said for that. And uh, I, I think it would make baseball better if the Chicago Cubs win the World Series and you could just eliminate the, the, the talk of the curse and, that narrative, although fun sometimes, is a little bit old to me, and uh, I think baseball would be better. That being said, if the Cleveland Indians win the World Series, they, they beat the Chicago Cubs or they beat the Los Angeles Dodgers. Let's not discount them. I mean, the Dodgers are one of the most prestigious franchises in, in all of Major League Baseball. Uh, you have the most iconic figure in, in really all of baseball, and Vince Scully, retiring this year. If the Dodgers could win the World Series when Vince Scully retires, that's special, man. I mean, that's something that you can't even write about in a Hollywood screenplay, and that's ironic because the Dodgers are located, what, four miles from Hollywood. Yeah. So um, that, that would really make things interesting. Uh, Alex, as always, comprehensive, mate. Really love your reports each week. We'll look at you again for next week when this World Series is underway. And just as a side note, if the uh, Cubs do get to go all the way and end up winning this thing, there is no doubt go to Chicago for a good goat curry. It'll be on every restaurant's menu in town and that will uh, fix you up beautifully. But Alex, as always, we've got to go to a break now, but thanks for your report and um, we'll speak to you again next week, mate. So uh, thanks very much. Good on you, mate. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Bye-bye. And a big thanks there to Alex Cohen, the uh, Media Relations Manager 
for the Bowling Green Hot Rods been coming on over the last couple of weeks. We'll look at him again for next week with the World Series underway. But right now we're going to go to a short break, so stick with us. You're on SEN Baseball. Baseball is the largest spectator sport in the world. In 2015 alone, over 73 million people attended professional games in the United States, with 65 million people playing in over 100 countries around the world. Baseball is the world's second largest participation sport. Baseball is truly a game that everyone can enjoy. It's free to try and cheap to play, but most importantly, it's fun for all. From t-ball and little league to seniors and masters, for the young and the young at heart, Baseball is the perfect game for boys and girls and mums and dads too. With over 105 local clubs in Victoria, get started by going to www.baseballvictoria.com.au to see how you can get involved today. And just while we're at it, welcome back to the show. Of course, we've just done a bit of an MLB report, had Alex Cohen on the line there. The World Series, of course, starts Australian time Wednesday uh, this week, the 26th of October, gets underway and then consecutive days from there goes Wednesday, Thursday in Cleveland and then there'll be a travel day on the Friday and they'll move to either Chicago or LA depending on who gets through but Saturday, Sunday, Monday if required will be in either Chicago or LA and the rest of the uh, World Series will go from there but starts Australian time on Wednesday. Of course, you'll be able to see all those games on ESPN yes. or through MLB TV if you have that purchased. Yes, and uh, we're getting, the under-23s uh, X is uh, gets underway in less than a week, I think it is Thursday, now. I believe. Yeah, it's uh, 28th, whatever that turns out to be, gets underway. The Australian team has been assembled and a squad has been released. I'm just going to read through the squad now. Brandon Stenhouse from Victoria. Brad Simon, New South Wales. Nick Hutchins, South Australia. Sam Holland from Queensland. Nick Veal from... They've got WA here, but trust me, he's a Victorian. Nick Veal. Lockie Madden from Victoria. Daniel Nilsson, Queensland. Mitz Newborn from WA. Chris Horn from South Australia. Josh Hendrickson, WA. Matt Wilson from Victoria. Connor Lowry from WA, Jai Diebel, Queensland, Liam Bedford from Victoria, Robbie Perkins, the ACT, Guy Edmonds, New South Wales, Zach Shepherd from New South Wales, Aaron Whitfield from Queensland, Connor McDonald from Queensland, Sam Kennelly, WA, Jacob, Jacob Eunice, New South Wales, Ben Leslie, Victoria, Jared Cruz from Victoria, and Josh Geyer is the squad heading over to Mexico to play in the U23 tournament. What do you see our chances, X? I'm going to get your experienced baseball knowledge on this. Our group stage games to get this thing started, we take on Austria, who will be debuting in the tournament for the first time. Opening days v Austria, then it's Nicaragua, Chinese Taipei, Argentina and Japan in the first five games of the group stage. I see wins versus Austria, Nicaragua, and Argentina. So you see three and two after group stages? Three wins minimum, potentially against Taipei. Uh, Japan's going to be too big a mountain to climb, I think. We all knew that the second the draw came out. So potentially four and one, definitely three and two would be my expectation, which should be able to place them in the top three to go through to the Super Round. The As this, you just alluded to, the structure of the tournament, you need to finish top three in group stage to move on to Super Round. If you don't 
finish in the top three. Of course, you play in the consolation round after that. But Australia's aim is to get to the super round and then all the chockies are on the tables there. Well, just as importantly as a result at this tournament is the points available that will go to the world rankings, which leads to potentially Premier 12 in 2019. 690. A lot on the line. The, it ranges at to every fir- level. First place will get 690 points, is the most points on offer here for 2016. And last place, uh, there are 60 points on the table for last place. So 690 down to 60 is the order, and everywhere in between for the points rankings. But you're right, a lot of this all leads to. Premier 12 next time round in 2019. But just a side note to the U23 tournament, part of the coaching staff, of course, Tony Harris and John Diebel. John Diebel this week was announced as having jumped ship from the Boston Red Sox. He's done his work there, got him a couple of World Series and has now moved on to the LA Dodgers, going to be a scouting director for the LA Dodgers. So that's a big move for them. And another big one I did see, you, you made mention of this a little earlier, X, is the great man has offered his services to the tribe. The Cleveland Indians, the greatest movie ever made, you called it. I'm not sure about oh, your judgment when it comes to movies. Not great, I'll admit. <laughs> but the greatest, you said, the greatest movie ever, ever made. Better than Casablanca and Gone with the Wind and all that. But Major League, the great Major League, um, Charlie Sheen has offered his services to the tribe, the Cleveland Indians, now that they've made the World Series. Don't they all come out of the woodwork? But uh, the great Charlie Sheen, still alive, mind you, but uh, surprise, surprise, he's he's jumped ship and on with the Cleveland Indians and wants to get out and represent. He does indeed. He said he's happy to throw out a first pitch, possibly for game one of the World Series if he's called upon a Major League Baseball have come out and released a statement this morning regarding his statement. So there's a statement on a statement where they've said that they are working with the Indians to ensure that franchise legends are able to come out and do first pitches. Obviously, a cynic would argue it's been a long, long time between drinks for the Indians. How many of those franchise legends are left still around? And it seems that Major League Baseball have clarified that franchise legends cannot be fictional characters. They can't. Apparently not, which is a real shame. Because He's not fictional. He's a real... He is a real person. The wild thing, uh, that's another... Perfect. S- that's another story. It's also a shame, and again, the NLCS is still going, so we're all talking hy- hypotheticals here, but another great baseball movie, one that I have, uh, I think I first saw when I was about 10, Rookie of the Year, the one where a kid named Henry Rowengartner breaks his arm and can throw 110 miles an hour and the Cubs eventually win a World Series. Can I say I now I absolutely distrust your taste in movies now? Okay. If, they're, if they're one and two on your all-time list, you, you need to check well, look, what you watch. I, I'm, hap- I'm happy to preface that with not a movie person. I, I, well, I'm, look, don't do yourself a favour and try and watch Major League 2 and 3 and however many more they made because they gradually get worse from there. You know how you can buy those box sets of really old movies yep. at JB that are like $8 for the three movies in the trilogy? Yep. I think if I saw it for that price, I'd pick it up. I think anything nudging double digits, I'd have to think about. Yeah, oh, look, to be honest, I mean, they're meant as a bit of light comedy, of course, but there's some classic lines in all of those um Baseball movies, something that we could in the future maybe look at for the show here. But there's all sorts of classic lines, even the old Simpsons episode where 
Mr. Burns buys the team. And, and Mattingly shaved those sideburns. Yeah, and, and Ken Griffey's just slugging away on elephant juice. and has got his inflated head and <laughs> yeah. Wade Boggs is there. And Yeah, classic team. Uh, Ozzy Smith, Mike Soshi, yeah. you know, got the all-star team. And the great Homer Simpson has to sit on the bench. But look, we digress with other news around the traps. Just while I finish up, finish up there with the under-23s, of course. Austria, I did mention, representing for the first time. It's their debut at this U23 tournament. And they have as interesting a names as what some clubs do have here in Austria. Have a guess. Have a guess. Just a couple of the names of teams in Austria. Oh, well, think, thinking along, you'd have to go your, your traditionals, your Tigers... A variety of coloured socks. We've got Diving Ducks. Okay, wasn't expecting that. Diving Ducks. And the other one that I thought was interesting was the Jumping Chickens. I don't... Chickens jump? I've never seen a Jumping Chicken. I would assume they do. To me, it's up there with the Frankston Tomatoes. But Austrian Diving Ducks and the Jumping Chickens, they're going to be have players representing at the U23 World Cup in Mexico. Starts up in about a week's time. As a segue, is there not a winter junior team called the Cucumbers? It's actually a hockey team. Oh, it's a hockey team. Yeah. I thought it was a baseball team. No, it was, there was a competition. They, they I think it was do run, exist. I think it was run by this very station. was actually for the strangest sporting nicknames. And for a good while there, the Frankston Tomatoes, was in the running. Absolutely, as they should be. Good name, great logo, good on your lovey. Chris Love, who designed the logo, did a terrific job with it. But the the, uh, the tomatoes were leading the way for quite a while there, but then a late uh, late mail came in from the Cucumbers. I think that's the out-and-out out winner. Yeah, it was a hockey team, of course, based in Q here yep. in Victoria. But look, uh, hats off to them. They did that trumps the Franks and Tomatoes every day of the week. Very, very clever being the cucumbers, I think. Very much indeed. Now, I'm just going to have a quick flick over this 23s roster quickly. And one thing that impresses me is the amount of talent on this roster that is not only signed to professional clubs in the States, but is also playing regularly in the the ABL. Uh, Yeah, the likes of your Brandon Stenhouse, your Sam's, your Sam Hollins, your Nick Veals, Daniel Nielsen's, uh, Liam Bedford, Zach Shepard, Aaron Whitefield, Connor McDonald, Sam Canelli, Jacob Eunice. Ben Leslie's a strange one for me. There were rumours floating around a few years ago that he'd retired. And obviously that's not true if he's been named on this team. I think it might have been the, the end of the 2012-2013 ABL season. There was a few rumours floating around that he'd... He decided to move on to the next phase of his life, but obviously he's still involved. So. Yeah, I, I watched him play last week for Cheltenham. He's getting some at-bats there leading up to this tournament. He's a, an apprentice electrician now. Baseball okay. did take a, a back seat while he, uh, you know, got on, as you said, got on with his life and is now taking on a trade. So baseball is now the back seat driver in what goes on. He's uh, moved on with his life and getting some at-bats with Cheltenham, but is on the plane to Mexico for this U23 tournament to uh, get underway next week. And for me, the key thing is when they come back from this tournament, we're getting to the point where we are a few weeks away from the beginning of the ABL season. This time next month, it's all underway, I believe. And the key will be seeing these guys get reps every week over summer for me. Absolutely. The... Where um, the amount of at-bats they end up getting, remember, this is this is 
an okay team. It's not the best team we can put on the field. And I'll just toss up a couple of names just for reference in the Dan McGrath uh, pitch this year in the Boston minor league system. Lewis Thorpe, we've yet to see him after Tommy John surgery, but he's still there. Uh, the two Wells boys, just off the top of my head, there's four quality starting pitchers who won't be on this squad. So the, w- w- this is an ongoing problem we're going to have here in Australia where over time when these tournaments come up, our best at no matter what age group, whether it be U23 or the open age group, where we just won't have some of our best players available. We don't have long left on the show for it, so I'm going to pose this. I think this can probably fill in the last few minutes. Is Would you rather see having our best guys available for national selection or having individual guys make the best of their careers as they strive to get to the majors? Which for you is more important? Uh, the simple way of answering that and... I appreciate the question, but unfortunately, my opinion counts for nothing. What what tends to be taken into account, and this is a an educated guess on what I've seen over time, Kachinga. Yep. The money. If there's money on the line, and by that I mean if there's a minor league guy... So who, take Dan McGrath, for example, who rumour is signed for 450 Yeah. So the that, mo- I'm even discounting the sign-on bonus. Okay. Forget the sign-on bonus. Okay. He's now on sort of a regular monthly wage. Yep, there is, but that- that's also an investment the Red Sox have made in him to begin with. Yes, so- and, and that's why the Red Sox say, no, you're not going to they can't. I They wouldn't lord it over him, I guess, but that, that eventually, it, it's a bottom-line thing. At the end of the day, baseball is a business. Sure. They are trying to go out and win a World Series next year with the best 40 guys they can find in their system. Absolutely. But for me... I look at international baseball, it's great. I love it. I love watching it at any age level. I think it's fantastic for the game to see it develop around the world. But I also think that the primary goal is, and we've had this debate a few times about national recognition versus a major league career, the primary goal of any baseball player is to play major league baseball. Yes. We've had, what, 33 or 34 Australians? 33 now, 30, now, I think it is. 33, yes. I was 34, Beresford was 34 and oh, South yeah. was 33. Sorry, yeah, Beresford. So we've had 34 guys now. Who coincidentally just been uh, assigned, optioned back to AAA with yep, the that, Twins. Yep, that was somewhat expected. And the goal is for every one of those guys playing in the major league, they want to play on a big league, big league field. Yes. It's great to represent your country at any level, but the primary goal for the players is to play Major League Baseball. So for me, I think there might also be a little bit of disinterest from the players who are playing over there in coming back and going, well, I've only got a very short off-season. You know, I might have one or two starts in the ABL in January to get myself back ready for spring. Might play one series if I'm an offensive guy. So I need to make sure that I'm resting and, you know, recovering properly to make sure I'm ready to go next season to try and make that jump. Absolutely. We we are teaching training guys to be professional players, well, part of being a professional athlete is to be selfish to your own cause. Yep. Now, some guys go over and above and and the lure of representing at the national level overrides that sort of thing from time to time. But let's face it, if you're talking about, say, 1500 bucks a month in the minors compared to $10,000 per at-bat in the big leagues, you're going to chase the money. Or Absolutely. A mul- human a m- nature. Human nature, exactly. That's a multi-million dollar contracts on the line. Unfortunately, whether it be 
we're we're guilty of our own success. We we just train a lot of good guys or whatever it may be. But unfortunately, the the lure of wearing uh, Australian representation is diminishing the light bulbs going out on that particular thing here in the sport of baseball. It is, and I think that's partially because of baseball, softball's removal from the Olympics. We know it's coming back in 2020. From what we know, it's also going to be very difficult to qualify. We've seen some rumours that it'll be top six teams in the world. We've seen others that there will be zonal playoffs, so we might see something like we saw with the World Baseball Classic qualifier where we play New Zealand, South Africa and Japan, in which case I would assume we would be rolling out our best team in 2019 for that qualifier. We're never going to put our best team in the field. I can't see the day where we're able to pick our best. And I mean the best. not, not The absolute best. Yeah, the absolute best. Because of those very reasons yes. we're just discussing is there's always going to be guys who need to rest. Yep. And, and for example, I mean... This one's already been put on the table, and this is the sort of example I'm talking about. Peter Moylan has been named as a Melbourne Aces this year, pitching coach, whatever it may be. Yep. But he's already announced on the front foot and done the right thing. He's already announced that he won't be pitching till at least Christmas into the new year, yep. which is the time that guys start prepping for next year. Absolutely. There is that lure of the World Baseball Classic in March of next year, so he's going to prep for that. And then the major league season with the Kansas City Royals. So we're going to see that a lot where guys will sit out half a season. James Barris is another one that just pops into my head now. He's probably paid, played, you know, 120, 130 games this year. So he needs to rest. I actually get, you know, yeah. I get that. But we're not going to see, we're going to miss half a season of a quality infielder and a quality bat because he needs to rest a little bit in preparation for his season next year where all the big money is. So Absolutely. We're gonna does. see we're gonna see that a lot. Uh, look, we've only got a couple of minutes left and I'm just gonna touch on this one that's about to get underway. We're doing everything playoffs uh, with the Cleveland Indians and Dodgers Cubs still underway. We'll see how that one pans out. But the Nippon series over in Japan gets underway today. It's the Hiroshima Carp up against the Nippon Ham Fighters. Game one today at Mazda Stadium. Uh, they have game two tomorrow, Mazda Stadium, day off. And then it moves to Sapporo Dome in Japan. Um, that's the Pacific Coast League Championship Series over there in Japan. That one's just getting underway today. But um, for now, that's all we have right now here on what is getting close to the end of the season with playoffs just about done the world series about to get underway as we said on the 26th but just as a little parting note x thanks for coming on today appreciate it fantastic as always but we're just going to go to a few little clips from this series that we have seen of course the one is not finalized uh travel day today dodgers and cubs will be on your screens tomorrow morning indians are sitting waiting to see who they may face but here's a few little highlights from the series we have seen so far thanks for tuning in folks you've been listening to sen baseball oh for two with two strikeouts tonight the 0-1 high fly ball in the center the shortstop russell a big one two-run shot three to one chicago in the sixth two big runs sitting out there for chicago that's a ground ball fielded by Gonzalez. Safe at first. It's four to one. Right now, that's up to Bryant and Baez. First and third, one out. Shattered bat. Runner coming to the plate. Another run. Safe at first. Five to one.
Bases loaded, two out. Javier Baez. Hard hit deep into right. Back at the wall. It's up against. Three runs are going to score. Baez is going to hold it second. And the Cubs have blown it open. Santana fouled out to the catcher. His first time up. The pitch swung on and blasted. Deep right field. Away. Back and gone. Carlos Santana tees off deep into the lower deck in right. Now the 2-2 delivery. Swung on, and there's a high fly ball. This one hit to deep right field. Bautista back. Home run, Coco Crisp. Coco Crisp comes up big again. A solo homer. There's Mike Napoli in the DH role today. Well hit to left. Back toward the wall. Carrera goes back, has to play it off the carom, and then has trouble with it. That's going to score a run, and the Indians on the board, one nothing. Thanks for listening to the SEN MLB podcast. For more SEN America podcasts, head to sen.com.au. To keep up to date with the latest American sports news and interviews from around SEN, follow SEN America on Twitter at SEN America and on Facebook at facebook.com slash SEN America.